1: SoCal's Country Station 951 K Frog. I'm Pepper. This is Spirit of the IE. From Edgar Allan Poe to Agatha Christie to modern bestsellers, hundreds of our greatest mystery writers have found inspiration in the sinister side of gardens. But what is it about the garden that suits it to literary murder? Is it the poisonous plants, sharp tools, shady corners, and ready made burial sites that make gardens a mainstay in the mystery genre? Or maybe it's the gardeners and writers themselves with their natural malice towards weeds, rodents, and other garden undesirables. No matter the motive, gardening and writing are enduringly linked. On the line to discuss this deeply rooted connection between gardens, writers, and mystery novels is New York Times best-selling author Marta McDowell, author of the new book Gardening Can Be Murder, How Poisonous Poppies, Sinister Shovels, and Grim Gardens Have Inspired Mystery Writers. Thank you for joining me.
0: It's my pleasure.
1: Marta, tell us about the gardening and crime and murder connection.
0: Well, you know, mystery writers are always looking for the right twist, the right setting, the right motive or means. And gardens are one place they can find those. So I think that is, you know, kind of the essence of my book is, you know, teasing those out and having fun with them.
1: And tell us about some of the murder plots you uncover in Gardening Can Be Murder.
0: Well, let's see. There are murders that take place in historical gardens, like the White Garden of Vita Sackville West. <laughs> in Stephanie Barron's book, which is called The White Garden, it includes not only fictional characters, but historical characters like Virginia Woolf, her husband Leonard, Vita Sackville West, and that whole Bloomsbury crowd. So that was really fun. Let's see. If you talk about California, I came across an author named Naomi Hirahara. And Naomi lives in Southern California. She grew up there. Her father was a landscape gardener, including to some of the Hollywood celebrities. Uh, But her father's story is what inspired her to write her series, which is set just after World War II. Her father was looking for a job. It was difficult for a Japanese-American, but he could find a job as a landscape gardener. So that's what she made her protagonist. And because uh, Naomi is a historian and a journalist, they're just really rich in terms of detail and also character because she bases it on her father.
1: Who are some of your favorite fictional horticultural detectives?
0: Well, I'd have to start with Miss Marple. I, I always have a, you know, really soft, Uh for Jane Marple. She was one of Agatha Christie's favorite characters. I'd say Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot were her her two stalwarts. And she once said, you know, I should have made Miss Marple a schoolgirl when I started because she wrote with her as a main character for so long (laughs) that it was almost impossible that she would still be alive but no one seems to care. And Ms. Marble was a gardener in this little fictional English village of St. Mary Mead. I think of her as kind of the prototypical English village amateur detective who was also a gardener. So she was a personal favorite. Another one from England, but from much further back in history, was named Brother Cadfile. He was a 12th century Benedictine monk. Fictional, but the abbey was in Shrewsbury, or Shrewsbury, as they say. And Ellis Peters, who wrote this long series of about 20 books, also really delved into history. She kind of invented the historical murder mystery, which is popular now. I could go on. How many examples do you want me to give? (laughs) A few more. (laughs) Okay. Nero Wolfe was an eccentric reclusive. He lived in a New York City brownstone. There's actually a plaque on West, I think it's 35th Street on this brownstone at the address that where he lived fictionally. He was a great collector of orchids. And, you know, in the novels by Rex Stout, the upstairs penthouse level has been entirely made into orchid greenhouses. And Nero Wolfe employs a chef, and he employs a gardener to take care of his orchids. And he is a very good detective because that's how he supports all of this. More recently... I'm going to point to, well, he's not exactly a detective, but he's the protagonist in a novel by James McBride called Deacon King Kong. It's not traditional detective fiction, but really a good story. James McBride is incredible in giving voices to different characters and different kinds of characters. So in the book, there are the residents of this South Brooklyn project, which includes this protagonist who's a gardener, there are Italians in the neighborhood, there's the Irish cop, and they're just really colorful. And a garden plays a really key role as the plot unfolds. And while there isn't a, well, there is a dead body. Anyway, I don't want to give too much of it away. It's a great <laughs> story. Everyone should read it.
1: What has been your favorite cast of characters in A Gardening Mystery?
0: Oh, my favorite cast of characters. You know, I'd go back to James McBride. That's really my personal favorite. But I'll also point to Turn of the Key by Ruth Ware. Ruth Ware writes, I'd say, mystery thrillers. They're very suspenseful. Turn of the Key was one of those books. And I hope you had this experience where you turn the last page and you gasp because the ending is such a surprise <sighs> and yet it makes so much sense so turn of the key is a key in the gate of this poison garden uh set i think in scotland and it's kind of gothic and it's very tense and Again, a wonderful story with absolutely great characters and expect some twists and turns. So there are child characters, adult characters, and then this nanny, you know, it's present day, but it almost has that kind of Jane Eyre quality, you know, watch them all.
1: I'm speaking with New York Times bestselling author Marta McDowell, author of the new book Gardening Can Be Murder, How Poisonous Poppies, Sinister Shovels and Grim Gardens Have Inspired Mystery Writers. What are some of the things that surprised you while doing research for this book?
0: Hmm. Well, one thing that surprised me, and probably everyone else on the whole planet knows this, when I first started reading mysteries, I was very young. I can't remember exactly what age, but I was the youngest of four kids. And so, you know, the first books I pull off the shelves are, of course, my siblings. And my brother, who was the oldest, had Hardy Boys. My sisters had Nancy Drews, And, you know, I kind of swallowed them hook, line, and sinker. I found out way too recently, it's it's almost embarrassingly recently, that Carolyn Keene is like Betty Crocker. Like, there's no Carolyn Keene. She was a made-up name. And all of these different people what? have written. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> I hope I'm not like bursting anyone's bubble, but like, I was shocked. Yes, these were syndicated books. And the authors who wrote them for a really long time, were, you know, decades and decades, were contractually required or forbidden from telling anyone that they wrote Nancy Drew mysteries. That's no longer true. So, you know, it is now widely available. I just, I had never checked. You know, why check? Right. (laughs) So, right, that was a big surprise. Another one, I had to include Sherlock Holmes. Now, Hmm. that was a little problematic because frankly, Sherlock Holmes, you know, he's in London, he's at 221B Baker Street. He's not in gardens, really. But, you know, I poked around. Where's the connection? There's got to be a connection here somewhere. Arthur Conan Doyle wrote so many of these. I think by the end, he really hated Sherlock Holmes. and tried to kill him off. But, (laughs) well, it turned out Conan Doyle was a medical doctor first. Okay, that's interesting. At the time, so he studied in Edinburgh. At the time, he, he had to study botany. And because a lot of the... Medicines were still being directly extracted from plants, so he had this, you know, brainstorm. There was a plant called Gelsemium, or Carolina you know you call it. It's a yellow vine. It's very pretty, and it had potential as an eye treatment. So Conan Doyle decides, you know, he's a student. He wants to get published. He's going to try this, and it's a toxic plant, make an extract of it and and try it as eye drops himself. And (laughs) so that's the first thing he published was this little article about this toxic plant as an eye treatment. And I thought, what if he had poisoned himself? (laughs) wouldn't have Sherlock Holmes. Wouldn't that be terrible? Oh, God. Anyway, uh, let's see, what else? Rhubarb. All right, I love rhubarb in pies and crisps you know it's really tart but you add enough sugar right and butter and it tastes really good unless you're vegan and you have vegan butter you can only have the stems and I kind of knew this but I never really worried about why this is you know my mother said you only have the stems you only have the stems. so the reason you can't eat the leaf part which is really big like a giant kale It's full of oxalic acid and too much concentration. is toxic, even less concentration. You still have problems with kidneys and things like that. Anyway, there's an author, Naomi Hirahara, I already mentioned her, who uses rhubarb. And I don't want to tell you which book because then it's kind of a spoiler, but she uses it in one of her plots. So anyway, be careful what you eat and who made it.
1: Discuss the role of gardens and gardening in murder mysteries. What trends have you seen in the evolution of the genre?
0: You know, it used to be if there were a female detective, she would definitely be an amateur, right? So, you know, end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century. There were no professional detectives in crime fiction. You know, that has definitely changed. And even like the Miss Marple, there's another one named Miss Silver, They tended to be single and unmarried, right? So, you know, it's like, oh, what's the Spencer going to do? She's going to be a detective, you know, but an amateur. So that's changed. You know, there are more real feminist kind of novels. I'm thinking about Amy Stewart's Cop Sisters series, although I will say there are no gardens in that, which was a great disappointment because I love Amy Stewart's uh-huh. writings. You know, there's more racial and ethnic diversity. Marcy Rendon is a Native American. She writes a series featuring a Native American, the detective named Cash Blackbear. And there's also this growing popularity of true crime. So that I don't deal with But I'm talking about crime fiction, but true crime really is coming quickly. There's also it used to be there were just detective stories. And now it's kind of split up. There's kind of the cozy detective grouping You know, there's the thrillers. I guess noir started earlier. That was more 30s and 40s and 50s. So it's always changing, and that's really fun.
1: How do modern-day writers use their own gardens to find creativity?
0: You know, I thought I'd find creativity in the garden. I was a career changer, and I thought, you know, I'm going to go from my corporate world and, you know, put away my suits and stop my 60-hour work week and two cell phones, etc., and I'm going to garden and my life will be blissful and I'm going to think great thoughts. (laughs) And (laughs) that is not true. Like when I'm out in the garden, I just kind of think, uh, uh, you know, kind of light humming in the background. It's very relaxing, but I don't think great thoughts. That is not true of all writers, including some of the, you know, mystery writers that I talk to, There's one, Vicki Lane, who writes the series set in and around Asheville. So, you know, that lovely part of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. I guess more the Great Smokies. I'm from New Jersey. Sorry. But she said she often will work out plot points when she's gardening because she writes at night and then she said, I get up in the morning and garden and you know, I can work out sometimes dialogue or I, you know, I've got somebody in a box and I can figure out how to get them out. You know, maybe I need to start writing at night. I'm kind of worthless in the evening for any creative work. So I tend to write in the morning.
1: What would you consider to be the perfect horticultural crime?
0: The perfect horticultural crime. Well, you know, it's interesting. I have a cousin who is you know, PhD toxicology. He studies poisons. I actually, I worked with him and he re- he read my chapter on poisons to make sure that I didn't have anything uh-huh. wrong, you know, that I, I wasn't off track. But he works with spider venom. And so I thought, hmm, okay. So I don't know how you get spider venom. It sounds like something I wouldn't want to do, but obviously he does. And maybe I'd like, You know, like painted on thorns the day before someone was going to prune the roses, because I will tell you, it's near impossible to prune roses without getting scratched up. That sounds really diabolical, right? (laughs) (laughs) Indeed, it does. (laughs) I'm a little worried. And, you know, it's funny. When I was writing this book, my husband said, should I be worried?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure my fiance is concerned that I'm even doing this interview. (laughs) I've been speaking with New York Times bestselling author, Marta McDowell, author of the new book, Gardening Can Be Murder, How Poisonous Poppies, Sinister Shovels, and Grim Gardens Have Inspired Mystery Writers. How would you like us to get your book?
0: Well, it's available wherever books are sold. And I will put in a particular plug for your indie bookstore, right? We have to keep those indie bookstores going because it's such a joy when I find one, and I get to go in and actually see books on the shelf. So yes, you can get it as an ebook, you can order it online, but please remember your local independent bookstore.
1: And any last thoughts
0: for us? You know, gardening can be murder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will look forward to curling up with a good gardening mystery novel this Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.